classes. No? Okay. So, um, if we investigate, what are we doing in life? What is our goal? You'll find there's a common thing, common theme. All humans are looking for two things in life. Anyone know what they are? Two things we're looking for in life. Villa. Peace and happiness. Peace and happiness, excellent. Anyone not looking for peace and happiness? Good, you're in the right class. Rich, poor, man, woman, young, old, doesn't matter which country you live in, in, whichever religion you follow, everything we do in life, the end goal is peace and happiness. All your actions are leading to that. So to gain this peace and happiness, all of us are looking for, what do we do? We contact the world. If we contact the world correctly, the result is peace and happiness. If we contact incorrectly, the result is agitations and unhappiness. So how do we know we're contacting the world correctly? Who teaches us this technique? No one. We don't learn at school. Parents don't teach us because no one taught them. So how do we learn? Any idea? Where do we get this information from? Deepa. Initially from experience and then from knowledge. Initially from experience. What experience? So if you've had a good experience, then obviously you know that you've contacted yeah. correctly. And if you get a bad experience, then you know not to do that again. Um, and then from knowledge really at the end. So if we all learn from our mistakes, then it would be perfect. But do we learn from our mistakes? <laughs> we don't, this is the problem. <laughs> So this is where our scriptures come in. Yeah. You can call, call them the manual on how to live life, the scriptures. You know, you get these books, 
how to repair a car, how to bake a cake. You know, you get all this money, how to repair TV. So these books teach us how to do that. The Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, they teach us how to live life. That's why we need these books, these scriptures. It teaches us how to live life in the correct way. It teaches us our role in life, our goal in life, and also how to achieve it. At the same time, while we're trying to achieve that, that the, the byproduct of it is peace and happiness. When we start learning from the scriptures how to live life, we get peace and happiness. So this is what we're learning in class. It's systematic and it is studied from the known to the unknown. Anyone understand that? From known to the unknown. What do we know? What do we know? It takes us from the known to the unknown. What do we know? Or what is the known? Any ideas? Ravi, any idea? What is known the known? Known is what the knowledge we have today and we're seeking what we don't know effectively, the yeah. superior so what, knowledge. So what is the knowledge we have? We have knowledge, uh, please. Knowledge. Sorry. So the knowledge we have is what we gain through our five senses. Okay. So what we're saying is, you're right, what we're saying is we know the world. We know our bodies, we know our mind, we know our intellect. So this is the known. We know these things, senses, etc., all part of the body. So we know that. So we use what we know to take us to the unknown using our scriptures, which is God realization, our true identity, our goal in life. This is all unknown. So we use the scriptures and what we know to take us there. So we know the world and body, mind, intellect. So from there, we learn about our inner personalities, the stuff we are made of, what makes us function, the enlivening factor we call God. Any clarifications? Yeah, does that make sense, everyone? Good. So last class we learned about uh, inner personalities. I need to do a little recap because um, this is a continuation of it. So just in case some of you may have forgotten last Sunday's class, we learned about our inner personality, what makes us us. We also introduced a new word, vasnas. Who would like to explain vasnas and the role it plays in our personalities? Lipa? Who would like to explain? Vasnas, we learned last week. We, we come into this world because of our vastness. So we, it's our makeup, it's our nature. The nature, yeah. Anyone else? 
right. It's our nature. Feelings and thoughts, desires that come from our body, mind, intellect will depend on our inherent nature, our vasanas, our tendencies, our fragrance, unmanifest thoughts, desires, which is different for all human beings. So everyone has different vasanas. If our vasanas are good, then we will be good. If bad, then the expression would be bad. We are what our vasanas are. So a person's behavior, his thoughts, feelings, actions, all based on his vasanas. Very important to understand this because then it will give you an idea how a person is and why he's like that. That person doesn't know he's bad. It's all relative. Yeah, everyone happy with that? We also discuss two types of intellect. Can anyone explain the two types of intellects? Carol? Two types of intellect. a gross intellect and a subtle intellect. Perfect. Gross intellect and subtle intellect. Any idea the use of the two? I can't remember. Okay. Any anybody? Krishnaman? Gross intellect, subtle intellect. A gross intellect is um, applying it on a daily basis, as it were. Subtle is so you can't hear Subtle is more um, spiritual. More spiritual. Okay. And gross is um, when you're applying it to the world as well as perfect. on a daily basis. Yeah, perfect. Bella, did you want to add something? So the gross intellect allows you to think of the world, reason, judge, decide, distinguish between right and wrong, distinguish between the pairs of opposites. It thinks and then guides the body and mind to function in the world. That's the gross intellect. So when you think of anything in the world, terrestrial, you're using your gross intellect. Science, business, work, problems in life, Subtle intellect is the ability to think beyond the world. If you question who is God, what is this reality? Does God exist? You're using your subtle intellect. Both intellects work in different areas. Remember we gave you the example of the spanner. A spanner to repair a wristwatch cannot be used to repair a car. Two different spanners. So similarly, the intellect, two different intellects. Only a person with a sharp, subtle intellect can examine God. So all of us here have a sharp, subtle intellect. That's why we're trying to understand God. 
We all have a subtle intellect and it's covered by desires. The more desires, the less the subtle intellect is exposed. Any questions on intellect? I remember um, a friend of mine's, sorry, a friend, a friend of a friend, multimillionaire, so much money. He asked me, I met him, so after I came back from the ashram, uh, what did you do in the ashram? I said, I studied the Bhagavad Gita. The minute I said that, he walked away from me. Didn't want to know anymore. No subtle intellect. Above his head, not interested. This is a um, extreme example, but it's one I, don't, I wouldn't forget because that's an extreme of someone having zero subtle intellect. Brilliant gross intellect makes so much money from nothing. Brilliant gross intellect. That's the difference. Not, we're not judging. This is the difference. So it's just for you to understand. Any questions on that? Okay. And we also said last week, the Atman is the same in all beings. It's a pure mass of consciousness. But when it functions through our fit body, mind and intellect, it becomes conditioned consciousness. Does everyone understand that? Pure consciousness, conditioned consciousness. It's like the sun, pure sunlight. But a reflection of it in a mirror becomes conditioned sunlight. Yeah. You remove the mirror, it becomes pure sunlight again. So what do we have to do? What are we trying to do? Yeah. Remove the mirror. Remove the mirror, which relates to our... Atma. Try and find the Atma in ourselves. But what do we remove within us to find the Atman? Desires. Desires. Remove the conditioning. The conditioning is our desires and our attachment. That's the same as removing the mirror. When you remove the desires and attachment, what happens? More of the subtle intellect is exposed. The more the subtle intellect is exposed, the more we're able to think of God. The more we think of God, the more we walk on the path. It's quite straightforward. So our goal in life is to free ourselves from this conditioning, discover the true self by practicing the three spiritual disciplines. We covered it last week, karma yoga, path of action for the body, bhakti yoga, devotion for the mind, jnana yoga, knowledge for the intellect, which is what we're studying now. We're doing the path of jnana yoga.
And when you do that, as we said, desires are reduced. Greater capacity to think of God, contemplate on the spirit. And you're able to go there. That's why they sit in a cave. No desires, no attachments, nothing. Any clarifications? Have I covered everything from last week? Really? Have I covered from last week? Yeah, I would say so. Just the last paragraph about um, controlling the mind and you know using your intellect with the chariot and that. So. Yeah. So I think we all understood that anyway. So okay, so we're all on the same page now. So we can continue today's class. So today's class um, is a little technical, but don't worry too much about it. Yeah, um, whatever you get from it. It will give you a deeper understanding of what we're made of. And um, you know, if some of it goes above your head, don't worry too much about it. We can always discuss it, but it's not important. Okay, I'm going to share a screen. Okay. Um, Ravi, can you read the first paragraph? Personality layers. The human being is composed of five material layers with the self, Atman at the core. The diagram represents this structural division. The mystic symbol pronounced Om at the center is Atman. The five circles, the five layers of matter are known as Kosha. The outermost circle is the food sheath, Anamaya Kosha. Within it is the vital air sheath, Pranamaya Kosha. Next, the mental sheath, Manomaya Kosha, and intellectual sheath, Vignamaya Kosha. The innermost is the bliss sheath, Anand Maya Kosha. So don't worry too much about the uh, Sanskrit terminology. What you need to learn from this diagram, we saw the diagram last week, remember, of self, vastness, body, mind, intellect, and the physical, mental, intellectual um, layers. Today it goes in slightly more detail. So every human is made up of these five layers. The self is at the core. Self is at the core, and then we have the bliss sheaf, which will go in detail, vastness, intellectual, mental, vital air sheaf, and food sheaf. So what we've done in this diagram is incorporated food and the air we breathe. We didn't take that into consideration in the last class. We just said organs of action, organs of perception, mind, intellect. See, without food and oxygen, we wouldn't be alive. So we need to understand how this functions in our body. Sheath just means covering. It's like vests. So Atman is at the center, as you all know. 
So OM, O-M, actually pronounced OM, A-U-M, OM, OM, OM. So when you pronounce it, it's pronounced OM, A-U-M, if you write it down. But if you're just writing it normally, it's written as OM, OM. So there it in the middle, that's Atman. So Atman and Om means the same thing. When we, when we actually pray and say Om, we're actually saying Atman, the self, Brahman. This is what we're saying. So the food sheath, it is the outer layer, is the physical body. Ravi, can you read the food sheath, please? Food sheath. The food sheath is the physical body constituted of the five organs of perception and five organs of action. Termed so since it is caused by food consumed, maintained by food, and finally ends up as food for other creatures. Thank you. So this is the outer layer. It's the physical body which we discussed last week, made up of the five organs of action and the five organs of perception, eyes, ears, nose, smell, touch, five organs of action, which is speech, hands, arms, excretion. So when we eat food, it maintains the body. In the end, when we die, it, the body becomes food for the creatures. So it's a circular, circular thing. We eat the food, we maintain our body. When we die, the body is eaten by other creatures. So this is what the food sheaf represents. Without food, we cannot sustain ourselves. Next is the vital air sheaf, which means breathing, the air we breathe. How does that affect our body? Ravi. Vital air sheaf. This sheaf is made up of the five physiological functions known as pramnas. It is named vital air since it is related to the air you breathe. The pramnas are the following five faculties. Prana perception, the five senses of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching. Apana excretion, sorry, excretion, that which throws out, discharges feces, urine, sperm, sputum, pers perspiration, and etc. Samana, digestion, digest food consumed. Yamna, circulation, distributes digested food to different parts of the body. Buddhana, thought absorption, takes in fresh knowledge. Thank you. So this is the vital air sheath. Breathing. See, they, they thought of this thousands of years ago. Can you believe that? They knew how the body functioned. We now learn it in biology. So this is the next layer. Related to the air we breathe. Oxygen is the life force that keeps us alive. All the functions of our body, mind, intellect depends on oxygen we breathe. So the vital air sheath, this covering, 
is made up of the five physiological functions. As Ravi said, perception, the five senses, which we all know about. Excretion, what the body discharges. Dis digestion, food taken in. The food is then distributed. Oxygenated blood. It takes it to the various parts of the body, vitamins. Thought absorption, taking in fresh knowledge. All this is to do with the food sheath and the vital air sheath. Any questions up to here? Like I said, just take in whatever you can from this. It's just breaking it down further from last week. Any questions, any uh, clarifications on that so far? It's quite straightforward. Rishi, is that good? I was just going to say, is the um, food in vital air sheet? I can't hear you. Oh, is the food in vital air sheet the same as what we were saying with the body before? I think your mic is, your mic is uh, playing up. Is the food sheet and vital air sheet basically the sitting of the uh, body? No, I can't hear, I can't, I, I get the beginning, but then it oh. goes. Yeah. Does, does the food sheath and the vital air sheath um, constitute the body that we were saying before? Yes. Okay, yeah. so everything everything's just being broken down into its constituent parts this time. Absolutely. Okay. Exactly, yes. You're absolutely right. That's why I asked you, because I knew if anyone would understand, you would understand, clearly. Good question. <laughs> so we're just discussing the body. And as we go deeper into the layers, it becomes more subtle. The layers become more subtle. So the food sheath, the physical body is the grossest. Then the vital air sheath is slightly subtler. And then we go deeper until we get to the Atman, which is the most subtlest. Ravi. These faculties are sharp when one is young. As one grows older, they gradually lose their power and vitality. And at old age, people can hardly see, hear, the capacity to digest food or observe new thoughts and ideas becomes very weak. Thank you. So these functions are sharp, efficient when you're young. But as you get older, they become less efficient. We all experience that. So when you're young, we can see better, hear better. The food you eat, you can digest it better, more easily. As you get older, it becomes more and more difficult. <laughs> and we notice it, but we don't know why. This is the reason. Udana Shakti, the ability to take in fresh knowledge. When you're a child, you can pick up things much, very, very quickly. Learn new ideas, ride a bike, how easy it is. You don't need hardly any effort, you learn things. As you get older, the ability to take in fresh knowledge becomes more difficult. It's a natural phenomenon. But it doesn't mean you stop. It doesn't mean you, you don't take in fresh knowledge. It just means you need to put in more effort. It doesn't come as easily. See, now when you're 
about 50 of internet, computers. It doesn't work on your phone. Who do you ask? Just somebody ask Rishi. Rishi, internet's not working. Get me online. <laughs> you call the child in the home to connect you. Better internet isn't working. Please connect me. Child comes, 30 seconds. There you go. Done. Udana Shakti. See, this is the reason why we can't get our head around it. See, as a, in, as a child, you learn between the zero and what you learn between the age of zero and five is greater than anything you learn in the rest of your life. Did you know that? Child has to walk, talk, recognize people, create emotional bonds, feelings, learn the alphabet, reading, all that. By the time he's five, he's learned so much, the child, that it's greater than anything you'd learn in the rest of his life. So imagine the Udana Shakti, to take in fresh knowledge is the greatest. Any clarifications? The next layer, the mental sheath, the mind, basically. This is what we're saying. This is the mind now. Ravi. Sorry, um, we got one more paragraph. Vital uh, air sheath. Ravi. Vital, vital air sheath is subtler. It controls the food sheath. When the brahmanas are in good shape and function properly, the physical body remains hale and healthy. As they slacken, become inefficient, the body becomes adversely affected. Thank you. So as we go into the inner layers, it becomes more subtle. So this layer controls the food layer. If the five pranas, perceptions, the five senses, excretion, digestion, circulation, thought absorption, function properly, then the body remains firm and healthy. When they are not functioning properly, the body is affected. So you don't eat properly, the right food, the body is affected. It goes overweight or underweight. If your circulation isn't good, you're constipated, your body is affected, etc. So if the food that we eat, the body itself is not looked after properly, then it is affected. That's all that means. The vital air sheath. It controls the food sheath. When everything's working properly, the body is fit and firm. When it isn't working properly, it is affected. As we go into more subtler layers, we'll have a better understanding of the two grosser layers. I did say it's a little bit technical today. So, but just bear with me, Ravi. Mental health sheep. The mental health sheep compromises the mind. It controls the vital air and food sheets. When the mind is calm and composed, the physiological functions are efficient and the body remains healthy. 
when the mind is disturbed, agitated, both the vital air and food sheets are affected. The mind is made up of impulses, feelings, emotions, and other passions. It is replete with likes and dislikes. The mind desires to obtain what one does not possess and becomes attached to what one possesses. It can turn turbulent like the wind. A strong wind can uproot trees, wreck ships and aircrafts. So does a turbulent mind cause terrorism, genocide. So this is the mental sheath. And the mental sheath, the mind controls the other two, the vital air and the food sheath. Because it's more subtler. If the mind is calm and composed, then the physiological functions work smoothly and the body is healthy. When the mind is agitated, then the two outer sheaths are affected. Example, something bad happens to you. Someone passes away in the family. The mind is affected. You lose your appetite. You don't want to eat, sleep, watch TV, nothing. Some people are even affected with breathing problems. So the mind controls the outer two layers. Isn't it? We lose our appetite when something bad happens to us. So the mind, if it's affected, the other two layers are affected. The vital air sheath and the food sheath. Because the mind is more subtler. The mind is made up of likes and dislikes feelings and emotions, impulses. The mind wants what it does not have and it gets attached to whatever it possesses. Someone like to explain that? It wants what it does not have and gets attached to whatever it possesses. This is the mind. See how powerful it is. It's powerful like the wind. It can cause havoc if uncontrolled. Any examples? The mind causing havoc. Dharmesh. So like Hitler. Hitler. He had desires to control the world. Yeah. And he didn't care how he did it. One mind can cause so much havoc. One mind. See how powerful the mind is? What's happening in North Korea? One mind. Hitler is in the past. Right, right now, one mind. What's happening in Russia? One mind. Donald Trump is one mind. See how powerful it is. But one mind can do so much damage. That's why we need this knowledge. So it's not our mind that's doing any damage to us. There's good parts of the mind as well, the emotions and 
feelings, you know, devotion, these are all the positive aspects of the mind. But if uncontrolled, it can devastate your life. It gets addicted, mind gets addicted to things. That's another quality of the mind, addiction, whatever that may be. Any clarifications? So this is all the known. So we don't look at it this way. Do you think conditioning that you talked about before with regards to our desires and our Can you speak up into When you talked about the conditioning previously, yeah. Um, in relation to our desires and our attachments. Do you think this is where the conditioning is more poignant? Because it's relating to our desires and our attachments. So the, condi the, the, the more we control this, the less conditioning we will have to, I'm assuming, the others. So um, what it is, is that as you go deeper into the layers, it becomes more subtler and it's able to, condition, able to control the external layers more. So it all depends on what, how you develop those inner layers, like the intellect, how you develop it, which direction you take the intellect. Yeah? That, that would then depend on the condition, that would then control the condition. Which direction are you going? If you understand it's conditioned and you want to uncondition it, this is the path I need to follow, I have to study, I have to find out more about the spiritual scriptures, you can decondition yourself because you're setting your goal to decondition. But most people are not aware of this. Ravi? The mind has another weakness. It has a natural tendency to slip into the past or future. If left unattended, it would constantly worry over the past or become anxious of the future. It hardly remains in the present. This causes stress and strain to, to practically every adult. Whereas little children have no stress since they are free from worry or anxiety. So this is another area, the mind. It constantly slips into the worries of the past and anxiety of the future. It rarely stays in the present. And this causes a strain and stress. So this is what causes stress and tiredness. It's not because you worked hard. Work doesn't stress you. doesn't tire you. You lose so much energy when the mind is fluctuating between past and future. You try and concentrate, it's very difficult. Even right now, your mind may be thinking, when will this class end? It's so boring. Wonder what is for lunch? 
mind is thinking in that way. So everyone's mind is like this. This is another area the mind falls. You see, if you think about it, children, they're free from this. They do not suffer from stress. There's so much energy. Our child is so small, eats so little. It's weak compared to an adult. But if you play with a child, you get tired first. Why? Mind is fluctuating past, what happened in the past and what's gonna happen in the future. And that's what saps your energy. It's not work. And that's what saps your energy. That's what tires you. Any questions? Silabin, why are you laughing? It's uh, talking of that in our our culture. I'm getting So just say, like you know, it's behaving like a child. So that person must be very stress free then. Yeah. No worries. He's got no worries. That means. But this is the reason. This is you know this this allows you to be aware next time. You know when something's happening. Why am I tired? Why am I stressed? You observe your mind. You'll see it's difficult to keep it in one one location on one focus. It's not our fault. We're not trained to do this. Any clarifications on the mind before we move on to the intellect? So the next layer is the intellect. Ravi. Intellectual sheath. This sheath comprises the intellect, the faculty to think, reason, contemplate, the intellect judges and decides the mental and physical activity, controls the mental, vital air and food sheets. The senses in the physical body tend to indulge in the sense objects of the world. The mind is attracted to instant pleasures. The intellect controls, regulates the mind Brunnas and senses. One needs a powerful intellect to practice this discipline. And intellectual strength is gained through study and reflection upon the truths of life laid down in Vedanta. So now we're getting to more the more subtler layer, which is the intellect. The intellect controls the outer layers. It allows a person to think reason, contemplate. This is the function of the intellect. So we need a strong intellect to control the mind's attraction to the world. The desires of the mind, you, have to, you need a strong intellect to control. And if you have a strong intellect, you can control the outer layers, mind's emotions, likes and dislikes, your breathing, your exercise, you can control the food you eat, intellect. If you have a weak intellect, then what happens? You said the mind becomes turbulent, 
it does what it wants to do. It'll eat twice as much. It'll avoid exercise. Okay? It'll do everything it wants it to do with no control. And this is what gets us into trouble. And the thing is, if you think about it, we do something, yeah? We overeat or we, we miss our exercise or whatever. Then afterwards we regret it. We think, oh, I should have done it. I should have gone. Why didn't I do it? Why did I overeat? That's the intellect coming in afterwards, after the action. It's no point. It's too late. The intellect has to kick in before the action. But it's not available to us at the time because the mind is stronger than the intellect. So we want to try and get the intellect available before. Okay, I've eaten enough. I didn't even go exercise this morning, so I should eat less. That's the intellect kicking in, thinking. If it's strong, then it'll, you'll, you'll be in control of your personality. If it's weak, then you won't be. And any issues you have in life, any problems, it's between these two. You think about it, it'll be between these two. It's a battle between these two. Whichever one is stronger, it will direct your life. Yeah. So just pause for a second before you react. Is this the mind or the intellect? Think for a second before you act, if you can. Your life will change. Your life will change if you're able to do that. Any questions? Do what you ought to do, not what you want to do. That's the difference. What you ought to do, not what you want to do. Ravi. A powerful intellect must be distinguished from intelligence. The two are distinct and different. Intelligence is gained through knowledge drawn from external sources. You may be well informed in one or more subjects through educational institutions, textbooks, and teachers. You are then knowledgeable in that particular field. No more. That does not strengthen your intellect. Thus, you may be well versed in one or more subjects, yet fall a prey to mental and sensual attractions. You could find a brilliant scientist being infatuated to a woman or addicted to alcohol. When the intellect is weak, the demands of the mind and senses assert the personality. The mind overpowers the intellect. The person then is inflicted with stress and sorrow. So the intellect is different from intelligence. What's the difference? You know, intelligence and intellect. Satish, any idea? Intelligence and intellect. What's the difference? 
bir şey. And it's it's that um, the subtle intellect is uh, anyone can have it. It doesn't require knowledge of the world to have. But uh, um, you know, what was the other one? Intelligence, intelligence is gained from the world. So, and it you can not have gone to you know educational institutions. A child could be have a strong intellect, but not know any, not have a high intelligence. Yeah. So they they're not related. This is the point. Bella, you wanted to say something? Intelligence and intellect. So don't mistake the fact that because this person's intelligent, he has a strong intellect. They're both very different. Intelligence is knowledge gained from external sources. You go to school, you get intelligence. You read books, you're getting intelligence. Watching documentary, you're getting intelligence. You become knowledgeable in one or more subject, but it doesn't develop the intellect. A brilliant scientist can make a rocket go to the moon, cure diseases, win the Nobel Prize, but he has a problem with anger. He has a problem with alcohol. He's obese. He suffers from stress. Very intelligent, but no intellect. He can't control his mind. So regardless of how brilliant he is, he's still victimized by the mind's desires unable to control the mind, he still suffers, exposed to the stresses of life. Does everyone understand the difference? Is there any questions? It's important that we understand the difference. Guy, you know, your child becomes a doctor. That's a lot of intelligence. He knows all about medicine. So he can save lives. He's always stressed out. He's always arguing with his partner at home. Doesn't know how to control the children. Doesn't understand. Brilliant doctor. He's rude to all his colleagues. There's no idea about life. Intelligence, intellect. How do we develop intellect? How do we develop the intellect? Dharmesh? Bella? Dharmesh? By controlling the mind. That's only if you've developed the intellect, you can control the mind. You have to develop it first. How do we develop the intellect? By questioning what you do. Questioning. What else? Bella? Study. 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 In the morning. Studying in the morning. <laughs> this subject. Huh? Anything? Anyone else? How do you develop the intellect? 
Question everything, as Dharma said. Don't take anything for granted. Study and reflect on this knowledge. Think about it. Preferably in the morning. First thing in the morning, before your mind wakes up. So the morning is because after the mind wakes up, then you're in trouble. So you want to try and uh, study this subject before the mind wakes up. Intellect's most powerful in the morning. Whatever intellect you have in the morning is most powerful. Don't take anything for granted. If it makes sense to you, then you follow it. If it doesn't, you leave it. Doesn't matter how many people are following it. Be independent thinker. Doesn't matter if you get it wrong, yeah? You're then exercising your intellect. That's the difference. You're exercising your intellect. You may get it wrong. It's okay. But you're using your intellect. Question everything. That's why in these classes, we encourage questioning. Any clarifications on developing the intellect? Hello, is Dhruv here. Um, I have a quick question. Yep. Is studying Vedanta then gaining our intelligence, but the thinking aspect is gaining, developing our intellect? Absolutely right. You're gaining intelligence by taking in this knowledge, but unless you think on it, you're not developing your intellect. Okay. Is that okay? So with this knowledge, after this class, you can go and say, you know what have we learned? Intellect, that's what we need. You don't know what you're doing. Your mind is like this, your mind is like that. You can tell someone because you have the knowledge. You know, Udana Shakti. That's why when we're older, we can't take in knowledge. Udana Shakti. That's what I learned today. You have knowledge now. But the intellect is when you think on it then you absorb it. It turns into wisdom. You start living it. That's when you have intellect and wisdom. You see the difference? Ravi, you understand the difference? Right now it's knowledge. You can give a class yourself. That's Not quite. <laughs> huh? Not quite ready for that yet. But that's the difference. This is what I'm saying. Difference between intelligence and intellect. You can't apply anything to yourself though. Okay, the last paragraph of the intellect. So, a parent says to the child, before we read the next paragraph, a parent says to the child, do your homework. Child is fidgeting, playing with his phone, Father says, stop playing with your phone and concentrate on your homework. So the child says, Papa, what is concentration? Father says, what do you mean what is concentration? Don't worry about that, just concentrate. So I ask you, what is concentration? Ravi. 
the worry. You read it, so I want to get someone else to answer it. What is concentration? Kill. Is it when your intellect's controlling your mind? So you. When your intellect controlling your mind, yeah. And the second half is. Controlling the mind to do what? I don't know, a task at hand. Tasks in the present. Keeping the mind in the present. Remember we said the mind has the, it keeps fluctuating from the past to the future. And it's very rarely stays in the present. So concentration is when the intellect keeps the mind in the present. Right now, if your intellect can control the mind and keep it on this present, on the class, you're concentrating. If it's fluctuating in the past and in the future, then you're not concentrating. This is what concentration is. Ravi, last paragraph, please. The mind's nature is also to slip into the past or future. That ruins one's concentration. For concentration, your mind must back your action. When your intellect keeps the mind focused on the present action without allowing it to slip into the past or future, then you are concentrating. You need a strong intellect to do that. Hence, people with mere intelligence and no intellectual strength find it difficult to concentrate and become less productive in their field of activity. So as we said, the mind keeps slipping into the past and future. It's a natural tendency for all of us. Why did this happen to me? Why did I say that? Past. When will it be five o'clock? What am I going to cook for dinner? When will I get a promotion? So difficult to concentrate on the job. You become less productive because the mind saps the energy. If you keep it in the present, then you have lots of energy on the present task. So that's why you need a strong intellect. You need, it, you need the intellect to stop it from slipping into the past and the future to keep the mind concentrated on the current action. See, you can imagine how productive you can be if you can do that. So I'm not gonna carry on with the bliss sheet because that's quite subtle. And I want you all to be fresh because it's a lot to take in and you have to think about it. And uh, I wouldn't do it justice if I explained what the bliss sheet is. Because why? Because what the what we've covered, we are all aware of. Yeah, we can identify with those components, but the bliss sheaf we cannot identify with unless we explain into what it is actually is, and it's going to take a little bit more uh, effort, and also it's quite subtle. So it's better to take it in the beginning of a class. I did have it to take today but i can see everyone's faces and people going like that so <laughs> i uh, i can uh, see the 
reactions on people's faces. So why don't we take some questions now? As I said, it is a bit technical, but this is who we are. Did everyone understand what was discussed today? Does it give you a, far, a better insight into your personality? Ravi. For you to obviously increase your intellect or you know, make it more effective, to a certain degree, you've got to distinguish what your intellect is and what your mind is initially. You've got to identify with the mind so you know that's the mind's leading that decision. Then you could obviously differentiate and increase the intellect. So you need to identify when your intellect is kicking in and it's not your mind. Yeah, absolutely. This is why we um, describe how the mind is. This is what we describe. These are the tendencies of the mind, which is what we just done. And this is what the intellect is, so that you can differentiate between the two. Is it true that you'd be more agitated if your actions are with the mind than with the intellect? Not necessarily. Dermesh. Sorry, I didn't hear the question, what she thought said. He's saying that we, to, to understand if the intellect is functioning, we need to differentiate between the two, what the mind is and what the intellect is. And I said, this is exactly what we've done today in class. To understand the difference. See, most, when you don't have this understanding, most people just behave naturally with the mind or the intellect. They don't know which one they're acting with. Um, if it's based on their likes and dislikes, then it's the mind. If it's based on desires, it's the mind. See, this is why we said, do what you ought to do rather than what you want to do. When it's something you want to do, that's the mind. When you decide, I have to do this, that's the intellect. Even though the mind is saying, I don't want to do it. We'll, we'll do it later. It procrastinates. That's the mind. We're all a victim of it, but a deeper, deeper understanding will allow us to be more aware, at least. You know, even once a day you say, oh, hang on, is this my mind or my intellect? That's a difference. It could be a major decision you're making. Am I being is it the mind that's operating or is it the intellect? Is it my likes or dislikes? Have I thought about it? Have I reasoned? Is it impulsive? See, now we know how the mind functions. Is it impulsive? Let me think more on it before I decide. It could be something simple like eating food drinking to some major decision you're making. Child is, child is naughty, you react and shout, is that the right thing to do? You may think, okay, is that, is that gonna have an effect? Good, positive or negative effect? The mind reacts. Any questions?
No questions? Still has a question. Does, does vastness play a part in relation to the sheaths? Because there are inherent tendencies. So therefore, is it that because of the vastness that we have, we have one sheath or the other more is it related? Um, is vastness is the underlining for everything. Yeah. As you said, the deeper we go into um, the layers, see in the middle mm. is the Atman, the self, that elevens all the five layers. Mm. The bliss chief is the vastness. Remember last week we showed the other screen yeah, we showed the other screen. Uh, let's see if I can... Uh, yeah. So, Atman in the middle, bliss chief is the vastness, where the vastness are contained. Yeah. Unmanifest desires. This is... This is you, the vastness makes you the person you are. That makes the intellect that you have, that makes the mental sheath, the mind that you have. Yeah, that was my question. Yeah. All that is controlled by vastness. Okay. Okay. Which we're going to cover next week, mm. Blitz sheath. Mm. So that's why we say you are the person based on your vastness because the vastness are the subtlest portion of your personality. So we have to think about it, study it, understand it. Aruna Ben, you understanding what we covered today? Um, thank you. Yes, I do. I, I feel like um, in, intellect uh, is almost like a sense of freedom. It gives you to make choices, the correct choices, like, yeah, on and not let the mind, you know, giving the reins to the mind, I think. So I'm thinking of that analogy, actually. Well, um, remember last week's class, the last paragraph, we talked about that... Uh, uh, what Ravi pointed out, um, it gives you that analogy of Krishna, Mahabharat, um, the charioteer, Arjuna seated behind. When the charioteer holds the reins firmly, that's the intellect, the horse is under control. The chariot's heads to its destination. The charioteer is not alert, the reins slacken, i.e. the mind. The horses go out of control. You fail to reach your destination. So the charioteer, Krishna, represents the intellect, the reins, the mind, the horses, the senses. So you need the intellect to keep the reins, i.e. the mind, with the five senses. Then it gives you the freedom. You can get to your destination, meaning wherever you want, whatever you want to achieve. You can achieve that if you have a strong intellect. 
because you're directing all your actions towards that goal. So it's, it's within us, whatever we want to achieve, wherever we want to get to in, in life, it's within us. We have the power to do it. Is that okay, Arunabhin? You're absolutely yes, right. Any other clarifications, questions? Great. So if you have any questions or any anything that you'd like to discuss, we can take it up on Wednesday in our group discussion. Yeah. Please uh, post it on our WhatsApp group if you have any clarifications or questions. Think about this because it's quite important because this can change your life. Understanding this can change your life. Can achieve any goal you want. So it's quite important. <laughs>